Turn up the radio and sing along. It's time for another great song. This is the Great Song Podcast. Seasons greetings and welcome once again to the Great Song Podcast. I'm Rob Alley. I am JP Mosher. <laughs> and we're here breaking down the greatest songs in modern music history. We're going to tell you what makes them great, why we think they're awesome, and why you should too. JP, how you doing today, man? I'm doing fantastic. I just got a text from my wife. She bought us tickets to see The Spy Who Dumped Me tonight with <laughs> Kate McKinnon and Myla Kunis. Okay. Well. So it's the funny and the fine. I think, uh, you know, if somebody, I feel like Kate McKinnon's pretty funny. Yeah. And Myla Kunis is pretty attractive. Yeah. So unlike us, not everyone has both. Sure. Where you're good looking and funny. Yeah. 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 So if you had to pick one. Where we could keep our striking good looks or keep our wit. What would you keep? Would you keep your wit? Would you be super hot or super funny? Well, to be honest, uh, I don't really have both. So, <laughs> not, like, we I know have neither. We're <laughs> <laughs> but we, uh, yeah. but looking back on my life, knowing how it turned out with me just having the funny, yeah. I would go ahead and keep the funny. Me too. I'm the same yeah. way. Like, I, uh, I have obviously more people I think would go looks. But, but I'm going to go with humor. And they say that, I guess, girls like guys, that, that's the first thing, right? That's the, the main thing. I Maybe get, not. yeah. I he makes know. me laugh. That's right. Yeah. So we're just going to keep telling ourselves that. Yeah. So, yeah, that's awesome. Uh, what did you say? The funny and the fine? I don't know. I just kind of. That's good. Like, you like that? No, that's great. Is that going to be it. the name of our next album? The funny and the fine? <laughs> yes. And we're just, neither of us are. <laughs> you can just pick whichever one you want. That's awesome. I feel like that could be its own. I don't know if it could be a full podcast, but like it could definitely be an episode be a, or a t-shirt or something yeah. like that belongs somewhere. Copyright 2018 Great Song Podcast. Write it down. JP Mosier Incorporated, The Funny and the Fine. There we go. Uh, that's a verbal stamp of copyright. That's right. Good job. <laughs> Outstanding. We need to post this episode as quickly as possible. Absolutely. So we can get it out before somebody, so my neighbor that didn't just hear us yell that <laughs> takes it and runs with it. Um, so tell them what we're talking about today, Rob. Oh, I'm so excited about today's song. It's an 80s classic, classic. and all-time. This song will never, ever, ever die. No. You're going to be hearing this song 100 years from now, I guarantee it, on whatever sort of method we have to use to, to listen to music at that point. It's probably just going to be Google chips in our brains, and we'll just play it. And There'll be it'll... stuff in the sky, just floating yeah, around. Just servers it. everywhere, just feeding us information at all times. We'll probably listen to multiple songs at once in different channels of our brains. It's going to be insane. Insane. But you're still going to be hearing The Power of Love by Huey Lewis and the News on your hoverboard from the Back to the Future soundtrack while you go around on your hoverboard. Let's dig into it. Come on, put your put your plastic sunglasses on yes. and listen along. Goodness gracious. Oh man, it's powerful. So we're having a little bit of a, a debate, not between us, but there's a there's a little bit of debate over the, uh, a line of the lyrics that we literally just thought about. We were just singing it off air, just yeah. like, is it this or is it this? And so now, and we don't know because there are differing accounts of the lyrics online. Uh, and that would be, is it... Uh, change a hawk to a little white dove or change a heart 
to a little white dove. I've thought my whole life that it's change a heart or change your Me too. heart. Me even too. But to when I was singing dove. it a minute ago, I was like, hawk. I was like, is it hawk? And then we went on this predator thing. Yeah. Oh, man. I think that makes the most sense. It's definitely the better line. So here's what's funny, though, is if you look up, if you just Google search Power of Love lyrics, Huey Lewis, the Google lyrics that come up say change a heart. But if you Google change a hawk, uh, then that's what comes up. Change a hawk to a little white dove. And it brings up somebody else's version by the early November in which the lyric is change a hawk to a little white and dove. And sadly, this is, I don't have the liner notes to read because this is not on one of their albums. Yeah. It's only on the Back to the Future soundtrack. That's right. This will... song was released as a single only uh, in 1985 as part of the Back to the Future soundtrack, but it's not on a Huey Lewis and the News album. Uh, it went number one on the Billboard Hot 100. Uh, it was nominated for an Academy Award in 1986, uh, lost to Say You, Say Me by Lionel Richie. Lionel Richie. Um, it was also nominated for a Grammy in 1985, uh, but it lost to We Are the World, Ugh. which was at oh that time. Oh my gosh. Yep. That Huey Lewis plays harmonica on that song. Yes, and has a singing, like a yes. solo on. So he was up for, in part, two Grammys. Uh, and We Are the World in 1985 became, at that time, the fastest selling song in history. Uh, listen to these, listen to the, the best song Grammys okay. uh, in 1985 big nominees. Year? Okay. Yeah, big year. Power of Love, We Are the World, Boys of Summer by Don Henley, okay. yeah. uh, Born in the USA by Springsteen. Bruce Springsteen, Goodness. and Money for Nothing by Dire, dire Straits. Straits. Holy cow. I mean... 85 brought it. 85 was a solid year. Yeah. Um, so and so this was produced as a single for the movie soundtrack, which featured mainly songs that were like actually used that you can hear while the movie plays sure. at some point or another. They, Huey Lewis and the News had another song on it called... Back in Time. Gonna go back. In time. Have you seen the Saturday Night Live episode? I think of it every time. Oh, so good. There's a great Saturday Night Live sketch. Kevin Nealon. Kevin Nealon is in the elevator with Huey Lewis, mm -hmm. and he just keeps singing. He just keeps singing. They're going to go back in time. Just that one line. Just, yeah. It's so funny. Because that's and, the only line that anybody knows, really, from yeah, the song. Yes. And Huey Lewis is just getting trying to be nice, but then it ends up getting super annoyed. Um, Huey Lewis also an actor, several roles as yep. an actor. He got he, he, he got kind of noticed as an actor because they were in the early days of MTV. And so every song they did kind of a quirky video. They sure. didn't really take themselves real seriously as far as, um, you know, I, I even saw he, he was quoted as saying, you know, I never really considered us like a big band, a big act. You know what I mean? We're just guys playing songs and having a good time. Um, and um, so... They never took themselves super seriously, sure. it seems. Uh, that is until uh, Ghostbusters right. uh, ripped him off. Right. Maybe we'll talk we'll about talk that about a little that later. later, for sure. But uh, so he, you know, he would do stuff in in as acting in his music videos. He even acts in the movie of this in yeah. Back to the Future, the movie. He's That's a right. judge in the Battle of the Bands yeah. with uh, with Marty McFly. And Marty McFly's is band. playing this song. Yeah, playing playing this song as kind of a heavier version. You know what I mean? Uh, with the weird guitar solo and stuff. You know, the kids are just too darn loud. Yeah, he says, I'm, for, I'm afraid you guys are just too darn loud. And he's got kind of like crooked glasses. You know, he's playing a square, uh, which it's hip to be, if you oh, ask him. Oh, man, it nice is, job. It's hip to be square. Good so. job. Yeah. Um, I, think, uh, I think Wikipedia describes Huey Lewis and the news uh, pretty perfectly. Okay. Spot on. It says... The news combined a rock backing with soul and doo-wop harmony vocals and Lewis's distinctive voice. That's good. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's it. Yeah. perfect. That's everything that they are in a nutshell. Good job. Whoever edited that Wikipedia page, uh, a rock backing with soul and doo-wop harmony vocals. If you think of like, if this is it, if this is it, you've got the, -wop. yeah, that kind of, that's what they're talking about. Uh, literally do up yeah. uh, harmony vocals and then his voice, which is very unlike it's just it's, one of those voices, you know, when you hear it, mm -hmm. that's Huey Lewis. Sure. That first time that you heard him singing a duet with Gwyneth Paltrow on the radio <laughs> for some reason, you were like, well, is this Huey Lewis? Why is he singing with Gwyneth Paltrow? And why is Gwyneth Paltrow singing at all? What is this? Yeah. And then you go, oh, that really is Huey Lewis. Yeah. Like, it's just one of those distinctive voices. Um, by the way, Huey Lewis, a.k.a. Hugh Anthony Craig the third. third. So there's three of them. Yeah. Uh, don't really know where the stage names come from. That would be a fascinating, like, coffee table book. Uh, just about singers, actors, artists, 
who used a stage name and why and where it Can came from. Can you think from. of one really good one? Just pick one. Uh, the one that I always thought about was, um, there used to be a country artist named Doug Stone. Okay. He sang, uh, I'd be better off in a pine box on okay. a slow train back to Georgia. You know what I'm talking about? I'd be better off. Doug Stone. Box. Oh, yeah. thanks for coming hey. by, Doug Stone. Uh, I don't know how you sound, but uh, I'm sure you sound just like you yeah, just did. Pretty much, yeah. Uh, in a different light. I see you. I'm sorry. In a different uh, light. Sorry, anyway, Doug Stone. Okay. I know you're a big listener anyway, and supporter. He, he had I'm a sorry, moment. I don't know your stuff. He had okay. a moment in the early 90s. Uh, his real name was Doug Brooks. But there was another fairly Brooks popular yeah. Brooks already happening. Well, that would be Garth Brooks. Oh, right. This is even before Kicks Brooks. Brooks. <laughs> I mean, sorry, Garth. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> so oh, you know Brooks and Doug, the yeah. biggest thing ever. <laughs> I mean, hey, they, I were, like them. they weren't nothing. One more day. Yeah. I know that one. Hey. That's Diamond Rio. <laughs> <laughs> Fail. Sorry, Brooks Woo. and Doug. Oh, man. You know what, though? Uh, <laughs> If I can accuse Journey of being Jerry Rafferty, That's right. then you can I get just away with accusing. Domin Rio, Brooks and Dunn. <laughs> you guys are awesome. Oh man, how about you? You got you got one. Yeah, that just... uh, the one that I just I obviously didn't prep. So I, John Denver, Henry John Duschendorf. Whoa, great name. Say it slower. Duschendorf. <laughs> yep. Take it Henry, for what you want. John I think John's his middle name. I know it's Henry John Duschendorf. Yeah, that's right. Wow. So, John yeah, that's, Denver. That's a good change. He's up there laughing right <laughs> that's now. That's a good change. Yeah, it was a, oh, man. Yeah, was an awful name. He's full of crap. Hey! <laughs> that's what I say. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Henry uh, John Duschendorf. That, that one's got me thrown. I'm shook. Sorry to take you off your game. The, the video for this, it's funny you mentioned about him being known as an actor and like his videos. I, I Have you seen the music video for this? Yeah. With, uh, with Emmett L. Brown in it, a.k.a. Mm-hmm. Christopher Lloyd. It's yeah. pretty good. I thought it was pretty neat and kind of weird, but you know, it's him. Yeah. It's, here's the, So the, the, the video for this is, here's the concept of the video. Sure, tell it. And then it. I'll tell you what I think happened. Okay. Okay. So the concept of the video is Doc Brown from Back to the Future, um, pulls up to this club in the time machine DeLorean, DeLorean, right? And so everybody's gathering around. What is this? You know what I mean? And he's all looking all frazzled like he always does. And he's, oh, oh, you know, don't touch that, you know, whatever. And, uh, <laughs> and he's like, uh, they say the name. He said, what's going on in there? You know, that kind of thing. And they're like, it's music, man. He's like, music, what is this? And, and so he's like, oh, this is, where, this is where I'm supposed to be or something, you know. And so he basically makes his way out of the car and into the club and just lets people come into the car. Sure, why not? People just start piling into the DeLorean and he's like, don't touch anything. Okay, sure. I'm just going to get here and sit. Yeah, there's a hundred flashing buttons in here in this amazing machine and I'm not going to touch any of them, sure. Um, So, but people just start, you know, piling into the DeLorean and he kind of makes his way into the thing. Cut. Then the video, the, the song starts, that's like prelude, prologue to the video. And the song starts, and it's Huey Lewis and band playing live inside this club. And then the entire song plays, and you don't see Doc Brown again, except for one little clip of him, like, walking into the door and, you know, kind of rubbing shoulders with a few people. Like, he's looking for them. That's it. There's no more story to the video. Sure, it's just Other than at the end, you see the DeLorean with the doors open. It comes back through, like, it's reappearing in time. And you don't even see the people who have apparently taken it for a joy ride. They just say something like, oh, wow, that was fun. But, <laughs> like, literally, that's it. Like, yeah. as far as storyline goes, it's literally, I, I feel like what happened is they shot this video and then they thought, I think we could get, I think we could get Doc Brown in this. You I know think what I mean? they did it to push the movie. Yes. They're like, hey, if we, if we do this, people will go to the movie. Yeah. And, and. Yeah, it's cross, definitely cross promotion. Cro- yeah, cross I just think it wasn't the original intent of the sure. video, or they would have had him on stage somewhere. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? Like they, they just were, threw it together. Yeah, like they were not on, on set the same day. That they did sense. not cross paths. I see that. You know what I'm saying? It was we shot this and we shot this, and we're gonna kind of try and make Mash something together. Yeah, together of it. It's weird to me that they didn't even show. Like, if you're going to say, they could have done a story where, you know, these people go on a joy ride in the DeLorean, but literally it was just, they're sitting there. That and was then fun. It, and then at the end, they're like, whoo, that was nice. You know, whatever. <laughs> this, they didn't, you know, they could have done a whole other set of time. Maybe they ran out of time. Oh. Huh? They should have gone back in time. They should have, I don't know. Oh, they yeah. could have fixed it. They ran out of time. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, interesting, just a couple things to talk about the movie tie-in, which I'm sure we will. The Van Halen song on there, Out the Window. Yeah. Do you know that? That's right. Play play a little of this. Y'all Back to the Future fans will recognize this from the scene where he comes as an extraterrestrial from the planet Vulcan. Um, (laughs) Listen to this little guitar uh, interlude or part by Eddie Van Halen. (laughs) 
And that's the scene with George McFly where he puts the headphones on him. Yeah. And anyway, I thought that was anytime I can tie Van Halen into to this, I wanted to give him some. I wanted to give them some notice there. Absolutely. Well, and apparently, is that from the? It's from the movie that was before the Wildlife. The Wildlife, yeah, yeah which we talked about that we've never. I've never seen. Yeah, that we both should have. I don't think it's worth seeing. Probably, uh, I don't know. But but Van Halen did a lot of music for that. Um, also, another little Huey Lewis reference in the movie at the end on Marty McFly's wall is the sports poster uh, from uh, for Huey Lewis in the News. Huey Lewis so the that news. was the album that was kind of their breakthrough. Um, Came out in eighty three. Eighty three, and they had had a hit on their uh, second album, which uh, was the one before this. But sports was their big breakthrough. Sure. Like, just read the track I'm, listing of sports. I've got picture this before. I'm looking at that vinyl, but we'll put that one down. That's the one before. And then on sports, here we go. Harder rock and roll hit. Heart and soul hit. Bad is bad. I want a new drug hit. Mega so that's hit. that's side one is like what? And then walking a thin line. Finally found a home. If this is it, hit. You crack me up in honky tonk blues. So yeah, the sports album is money. And I need to take a second and give a shout out to Dave Haney, who's listening, faithful listener of the podcast. Thanks, Dave. This is your Who You Listen the News episode that you, you requested. Go. So yeah. that's for you. We don't always say who requests the people that we do, but I promised Dave that I'd give him a shout out. So <laughs> here you go, Dave. Thanks for listening. Thanks, thanks for listening, Dave. Thanks for the suggestion. Good call. Absolutely. Great call. Um I, I just I think it's really weird that this Never got included on a Huey Lewis in the News album. Yeah, I mean, like too. to me, okay, put it on the Back to the Future soundtrack. But I'm telling you, this song is a mega hit. I'm putting it on the next album. Sure, again. which is four or four A. That's right. No, no, that'd be four. F O R E, like in golf. Right. So like, like sports, and also sports this is our golf. fourth album, which is also a good album because it starts with Jacob's Ladder, which yep. we'll talk about later. I got a little tie into that. Stuck with You's on here too. Um, Hip to be square is on here, so another big, another big album on that one. But too. they should have just put. I mean, don't you think, close it out with Power of Love? Come on, yeah, seriously. Like, oh, let's do a little remix. Even have a bonus know? track before those were. Yeah, huge. absolutely. I don't. I don't really understand the decision. It seems like as hungry as record companies are to squeeze every dollar sure. out of an artist, that they would have somehow. You know, and as much as they used this song to build up the movie, you would yeah. have thought the movie would have been like, okay, now you go get your due with it. Like, here, take it and put it on whatever you need yeah. since you've let us use it well, everywhere. Yeah, it's yours, yeah. Uh, it, but, hey, whatever. Uh, I guess it worked. I mean, it sold over 30 million records. Uh, they have sold over 30 million records worldwide. So. Without this one on a record. <laughs> Without this one on an album, yeah, just as a single. So they're doing okay. It's, it was obviously not that big of a problem. Okay, this song uh, has a... It's funny. It's got a like a point counterpoint for me in terms of a line that is just like off the charts great, followed by a line that is just lazy and super awful. Okay. Um, so there's a line in the uh, what is it? The second verse. It's before the first chorus, okay. but it's technically the second sure. verse. Um, and it's it's. I'm not going to get super deep into this because it's a little risque, but tougher than diamonds, rich like cream, stronger and harder than a bad girl's dream. Without going deep into that, that's smart. Like, that's a really smart, well-done line. Um, and then the next verse <laughs> after the first chorus set, starts with, the first time you feel it, it might make you sad. Next time you feel it, it might make you mad. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Seuss wrote the second half of that. Really? I, I mean, will not eat Greg Ennis that's and ham. super lazy. And I don't think that, is that even true? Like, that is, like, anyway, I was just like, come on. Like, yeah, you just is. slayed with that first verse. Yeah. And then you're going to bring, the first time you feel it, it might make you sad. Yeah. The next time you feel it, it might make you mad. Yeah, the make the wrong right power of love keep you up at night isn't super deep yeah. either. It's, yeah, but, it's okay. But the mad sad is awful. You're right. I never yeah, thought about how, yeah. bad, how lazy Like some of it, you know, it's such a cool song and a fun song and the hook is all oh, man, day long. It's good. But, uh, but so that, it, that you know, it doesn't have to be like an all-time great lyric. But like that, Stronger and Harder Than a Bad Girl's Dream is such a, is such a clever, smart lyric that like it makes me expect more, a little bit more from the rest. So to follow it up immediately in the next verse with that <laughs> atrocious uh, couplet is just in, uh, unforgivable. Unforgivable. Um, let's talk a little bit about the music. Uh, Go for it. This is 
80s synth riff Absolutely. At, at its best. It's like kind of new wave, uh, you know, that's kind of their their thing was like new wave pop. Um, and it's one of those riffs that's like, if you think of 80s synth sounds, there are a couple of sounds that jump to mind. That jump and to the, mind, the, yes! The other one oh, would be, man, for me, so jump, good. jump by Van Halen. Uh, it's just that big synth. Should we play horn. jump? Just so that the, come on, why not? I kind of feel like we might need to save it. We might do its own own. Just play the, the just the hick. We've right. already done one Van Halen tribute. Let's throw him another one. All right, this here is we go. for you. That's Van true. H- that's true. All right, here's jump by Van Halen. So you know it. Ah, uh, good choice. So good. It makes me feel good immediately. Oh, man, that just, that just, yeah. yeah. So yeah, that's okay, one of the other just classic synth sounds and synth riffs. Uh, that is just, you know, out of this world. Um, but he, here's one of those, um, this is one of those riffs for me, and I don't know if this makes sense, but this is a riff for me that it's actually better for me to listen to in a kind of general way, because if I listen to it intently, if I listen to it too closely and actually kind of take in the chord voicings and stuff, I don't like it as much. Mm-hmm. I like it to just kind of pass by my ears sure. and I like the way it feels there. But if I start listening to the actual notes, it takes away something from the I, riff. I, Does that I, make sense? Yeah, I totally get where you're going with this. I, I prefer the generic version that my brain kind of glosses over. That's just, the, it's there. You yeah. know, it's there, but you don't want to think about the theory behind yes. it and everything. Yeah. And I'll, we'll give a disclosure. Rob texts me. He's like, think about something like this. Yeah. He, he didn't get too in depth and I didn't even know which episode we were doing it on. And I, he's going to, I'm sure, say one, and I'm going to say one, but the one I'm going to say, go ahead, keep going where you're going with that. I'm okay. saying I got what you're saying. Okay, so actually, this is this is turning into a really funny recurring theme. The other one that I think of is from Van Halen. Oh my goodness. <laughs> there's a, there's Welcome a, to the Van Halen podcast. Yeah, right? There's a Van Halen song called Not Enough, Yeah. Um, and the piano uh, riff in it. Pretty I, song. I always heard, because I never listened to it uh, super closely, for, for a long time, uh, I just heard it differently than it is. And then when I started to hear it as it really is, uh, I was like, oh, I don't like it as much now. To love somebody naturally. To love somebody so anyway, that's the riff. I'm not going to talk about what it was that I just used to hear it differently. And then once I once I heard how it actually is, it, it was fine, but it's not as good now. Okay, I'm going to tell mine because I went a kind of a different way, similar concept, but a riff that I love, it's one that we've talked in the past, is Eye in the Sky by the Alan Parsons Project. Okay, yeah. Okay, so play this, or just the intro riff of this, and I'll tell you what, when I started digging into it and watching it, what, just play this and I'll give a little story. Okay, that that's enough for what I'm going to talk about. How do you picture that song being played? Uh, Somebody with a guitar and a delay pedal? How uh, do you see this? No, I've always thought about it as a keyboard. Okay, I have never thought about it as a key. It sounds like a clean guitar thing yeah. with me, or if it's on keyboard with some style. Yeah. It's a three-note. It's awful. Like, <laughs> watching him play it, it's terrible. Yeah. He's, it's not huge at all i expect it monster and uh-huh. lights galore like the bulls yeah but it's this if you guys have never seen alan parsons don't watch him because <laughs> it's it's awful to watch how simplistic the riff is on keyboard to me it sounds complex and it sounds yeah. full it's all that and delay fun because it's all that delay and it just feels like what a great riff yeah but you could write that in one second. Yeah. If you sat down, it takes completely away from the power of that riff yes. once I looked into it. Yeah, exactly. It's just better to just take it in and, and, not, and not, not think, think about, about it. it. Okay. Yeah, don't overthink it. Let me give you one more because we're, we're rocking on this thing. Song from the 90s, okay. Christian song, What Would Jesus Do by the Big Tent Revival? Okay, oh, wow. big. It was pretty big in Christian music, and I'm going to tell you a story about it because just listen to the riff, and then I want to tie in a story with it. All right, let me see if I can find it. It may not, it's on the Amplifier album. Okay. So anyway, what would Jesus do? Bracelets are coming out. Whatever. This is their song. So it's a pretty neat riff if you're thinking about how you play it on guitar. It's in A, but then I saw them play it. 
And the riff, the way the guy plays it, is he puts a capo on the fifth fret uh-huh. and, and then, then just plays, plays like two notes. E. He plays two notes open Yeah, where... I when I saw them do it, it completely took away from. I was like, "Man, that's a great riff!" And so I learned the stretch to play it without the capo, uh-huh. so that I could play the big chords underneath it. Yeah. And then I saw the guy that wrote it and do it do it, and I was like, "Dude, come on!" <laughs> yeah. So that's, sometimes it's you know. They I say, wish I would have never seen it happen that way. They say you don't want to see how laws and sausages get made. Yeah. Sometimes <laughs> sometimes you don't want to see how guitar riffs get played. Sure. Like it's just a thing or synth riff. It can be a letdown, you know, if you're yep. expecting. Yeah, that's uh, so funny. This is one of those songs for me. I just need it to. I just need the air to pass by my ears mm-hmm. and me not to really just think sing about it what's happening. and enjoy it and yeah. don't think about. It's like eating a hot dog. <laughs> yeah. you know? like, I don't want to know where this came yeah, from. I know you're the leftovers. Yeah. Just, yeah, don't, yeah. It's like eating a hot dog, yes. But a delicious hot dog. Man, it's a freaking Frank's. (laughs) It's Nathan's. So good, This is Nathan's. All beef, 100%. That's right. You know, this is Oscar Mayer, this ain't no freaking Sam's Club hot dog. This is not your roller food at the gas station hot dog. This is solid. Yeah, Yeah. that's awesome. (laughs) Um, I want to talk about one other other little thing of theory um, on this that I just love. Every time I hear it. Uh, there's a chord in the bridge that I just adore. So this song is is pretty unique theory-wise anyway. Um, we've talked about relative major and minor before, which is if you're in the key of C major, um, you are also technically in the key of A minor, natural minor, because they share the same set of notes. It just depends where your root is, okay? Um, this song uses an example of what would be called parallel major and minor, where this song operates in the verses in in C minor, and it operates in the choruses and the main riff in the key of C major. Um, and it just sort of changes on a dime. There's nothing, the only thing that you get, you're in C minor, and you get that F chord, don't take money, right? And that's it. It, mm-hmm. it just gives you that big synth thing to kick you back in. Uh, and it explodes back into to C major for the chorus. And then it's got a bridge, which is in the key of E flat. Um, and it just transitions straight into that. Um, and so it just, you're literally playing an E flat for the bridge. And then it ends up back on a G chord, uh, which leads you back into C. Okay, but um, the bridge goes, uh, let's, pl- let's play a little bit play of the, the bridge. bridge yeah. And uh, then I want to talk about this beautiful chord. That's it. So the, the chord over, but you don't care. Uh, it is a, if we're in the key of E flat, it's a two major 16 chord. So it is a, it is an, it's, I mean, I'm sorry, a 13, a 16 chord is not a real thing. I was like, what's a 16 chord? <laughs> that's an octave. Um, a, so it, that's an F 13 chord, which, which, which means it retains uh, the F chord and also an E flat which is the, the, the flat seven in the key of F and also the 13, which is going to be a D natural. So, so it's, how do you play that with so, your right hand? It just depends how you want to play it, you know, for your different voicings. But usually what you do is you don't play, if you're playing a 13 chord, most of the time you don't play root third, fifth, seventh, ninth, 11th, 13th, which is all the, the yeah. you know, that you could play. You usually just go flat seventh, third, and 13th. So what do so you play in your left hand? If you're an F, you would just play an F, F on the bottom? and maybe an F with like your pinky and an E flat, e flat. with your, yeah. with your thumb. And then your right hand is going to go, uh, uh, E flat, a D, D going up. Okay. Um, and so that's typically what you'd play. It's a weird even chord. like, like I don't in a jazz understand. or gospel setting, that's usually how you're going to voice a 13 chord. Um, so, but yeah, it's a, just a beautiful chord. So if you're sitting at home and in front of the keyboard, sure. I know many of you listen to this song <laughs> in front of your keyboard, behind your keyboards or behind your guitar. So that, that chord progression is it's E flat. They say that. And then the I second chord is a G over a D. It becomes a walk down for the bass. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a G chord tonally, but they put the five underneath it, which is the D so that you can, it just creates an, an interesting thing. Bass, it becomes a walk down. So E flat. Flat G over D C minor to this F thirteen chord uh, and just gives it this great great little piece of spice. Normally that two 
chord in the key of B in the key of E flat would be a minor to two chord would be an F minor. minor. Uh, but making it major, uh, is just uh, with his melody over the top of it. His melody is, Oh, but you don't care. It's a three, 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 two, one, six. And the way that hovers over that chord is just really uh, melodically interesting. So anyway, I just love that chord. I look forward to hearing it every time. It's one of those moments, you know, some songs just have those things that like, I love this whole song, but I especially love that, you know, it's just, it's butter. Um, what else you got on this on the song? You got anything you want to talk about? Should we should we meet the band? Let's meet the band. Man, let's meet the news. Let's read the news. Ah, that was stupid. <laughs> hey, let's meet the band. It's time to meet the band. Hey, mama, let's meet the band. Let's all meet the band. Hey. All right, we're gonna meet Huey Lewis and the news. Uh, Hugh Anthony Craig the third. And his news. Is this uh, the Newsboys? Oh, are they no, the same? No. Are the, are the Newsboys the children of the oh, news? Oh, gosh. Peter Furler <laughs> is Huey Lewis's stepchild. Wow. Let's uh, just start that as an internet rumor and see what happens. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Um, when you're typing Huey Lewis, if you move your right hand on the keyboard over one letter, it becomes Jewy Lewis. <laughs> Which, tell me there's a good joke somewhere laying there. It was an accidental when I was typing my notes, because I typed my notes in Microsoft Word. Yeah. Because I'm that guy. And I typed Jewey Lewis. Um, so, there we go. On vocals and harmonica, Jewey Lewis. He is uh, was All-State in baseball, which I thought was kind of neat. That hits the sports album. Okay. He also got an 800 perfect score on the math portion of his SAT. Wow. So, this guy go is on, Huey. brilliant with numbers. So, well done. Mr. Lewis hitchhiked across the country. Um, I don't know if you know that. Um, learned the harmonica while waiting for rides to hitchhikes. I was going to say that sounds exactly like where you would learn the harmonica. Uh, he was, you know, San Francisco guy, to New York, hitchhiked all the way across the country. Wow. Um, it might have been the other way. No, I, I think it was San like, Fran to New York. Yeah. I picture him like, like hopping on a train car. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like he was basically a hobo. I see him sitting on his suitcase. Yeah. Like yeah, sitting on your exactly. traveling. There's, there's like a hat, like a, absolutely. Uh, you know, yeah. Like a derby hat or not. What do you call that kind of hat? Like the fedora just sitting, you know, yeah, yeah. right there. And that's the, if you're going to learn an instrument, <clears throat> hitchhiking, it's easy to carry. It's not going to be the upright bass. It's going to be a freaking <laughs> harmonica. So, uh, stowed away in an airport for three days and then, uh, stowed on and flew to Europe as a stowaway. All the way to Europe, lived in Spain for a while, and supported himself by playing the harmonica. Okay. And then he raised enough money to get back into the United States by just playing harmonica. Just playing. Just to get back. Wow. I knew he had done some stuff in, like, the London kind of pub scene. He did, yeah. But I didn't realize it was because he just... Hopped on vehicles. Caught a, and, caught a plane. Wow. And, and went over there. Um, went to Cornell University. And this is a neat fact. Smart cookie. Became best friends with Larry and Lance Hoppin of Orleans. Hey! Throwback to a little, uh, to a little dance with me. Wow. Did Check out, man. I still, listen. I don't know how many weeks ago it was that we recorded the Orleans episode. I still, on the regular, have dance with me stuck in my head. <laughs> like, that song will not leave me yeah. ever. You're I don't welcome. know. But once we started listening to it, I do. it doesn't leave my head. <laughs> it's stuck. It's stuck with you. Ah. Okay. <laughs> he uh, played harmonica on the 1978 Thin Lizzy breakout album. Yeah. Love and Dangerous. How about that? Um, was in a band called the American Huey Lewis and the American Express that opened for Van Morrison for a while. Yeah. Um, sang and played harmonica on Bruce Hornsby's debut album and thanked him. Hornsby thanked him by writing him Jacob's Ladder. Jacob's Ladder. So there we go. Huey Which, if you're a Bruce Hornsby fan, you know there's 85 different versions of Jacob's Ladder. It's very sure. cool. It's like when you go to see him in concert, it's kind of a fun game to play. Like, how's he going to play Jacob's Ladder this sure. time? Well, how's it's, he going to play everything? But mainly Jacob's yeah, Ladder. Yeah, but Jacob's Ladder, they've done like just seriously like six wildly different arrangements of it that are just, you know. And all this unique. section was for those of y'all that make fun of us for always talking about Bruce Hornsby. There you go. We'll there you go. We're always are those to, people out there? There I are people out there. I haven't seen that. Uh, hey, they, oh, man, they text me. Oh, you brought up Ruth Hornsby again. Haters back off. That's all right. It's good stuff. You know who you're, <laughs> who I'm talking to out there. Um, on guitar, Johnny Cola. Good guitar parts on this, I would have to say. I like I like Johnny Cola's playing. Up north, he's known as Johnny Soda. <laughs> oh, Cola. Oh, that's jo- uh, Johnny Pop. Uh, Johnny Pop, yeah. Johnny Pop, man. Um, guitar. He also played guitar with uh, Sly and the Family Stone and Van Morrison before teaming up with Huey Lewis in the News. He wrote The Heart of Rock and Roll, also wrote Help Write Power Love, and he wrote If This Is It. Those are three pretty big songs. Yeah. So he stuck 
with Huey. I mean, like that's you're you're set. If you write those three, as long as you don't upset him, you're gonna be you're gonna be with him for a good little bit. He has now made a solo project, which it's not that great. Sorry, Johnny. Um, but it's a uh, he does his most notable thing on there is a cover that he does of Queen's crazy little crazy crazy little thing called Love. Crazy little crazy crazy called little love. crazy crazy. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I forgot how to talk there, everybody. So Johnny Cola on guitar. Uh, on drums, Bill Gibson wanted to play the saxophone, but it, his teacher told him first you got to learn how to play the clarinet before we'll teach you how to play the sax. Okay. I don't well, I really weird. understand the correlation, but whatever. Yeah, I mean, read instruments. I, I don't know if I they. Guess. I don't know if they finger the same or um, who knows. So anyway, so we quit and picked up the drums. Uh, <laughs> Screw that. He's like, forget you and your clarinet. I'm going to beat the snot out of something <laughs> known as drums. His favorite drummer is Mitch Mitchell, who played with Hendrix. Who Rolling Stones rated Mitch Mitchell as the eighth greatest drummer of all time? I don't know him. Other, I mean, do you know? I mean, do you know? Just from the stuff I've just from the Hendrix, Hendrix stuff, stuff I've had, which you, I've always appreciated what he does. He's kind kind of a ginger baker. You yeah, know what I mean? That, just like that. I'm gonna play a whole bunch I'm gonna, and I'm just, just gonna wild. be busy. Yeah, yeah wild. busy and crazy. Which I I thought that's kind of funny that this guy's style, Bill Gibson, is completely different. Oh yeah, it's like simple. Yeah, pocket. Mm-hmm. It could be a drum track. I yeah. mean, really, it could. His he doesn't do anything super fancy. Yeah. I'm not like, wow, what a powerful, right. busy. Name rip. me a fantastic drum fill from In a Huey, Huey Lewis, Lewis song. I can't. Yeah. yeah, that's which I thought that was kind of neat that your favorite guitar player was. I mean, favorite drummer was that. That'd be like, yeah. you know, a shredder saying my favorite guitar player was James Taylor. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that's perfect. Great. Um, he's on every Huey Lewis in the News album. He also um, did a lot of work with Chris Isaac, who. Has that awful wicked game song? Ah. Yeah, so there you go. Bill Gibson on drums, everybody. Bill Gibson um, on keys. Sean Hopper um, played with Elvis Costello before he got hooked up um, with Huey Lewis and the News. A lot of comparisons between Huey Lewis and, and Elvis. Elvis Costello. That's pretty good. Do you, do you buy that? Uh, similar. I mean, I don't know. I'm, it's I don't ever. Th- this is going to be probably not liked as much, but I think Huey Lewis is so much, I like his song so much better. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. Better He's songs. a little more accessible than Elvis Costello, yeah, I feel like. that's true. That's good. Um, Sean's a big-time motorcyclist, and now he rides bicycles because he got married and his wife's not a big motorcycle fan. So now hmm. he just is a big bicyclist. Bicyclist. Um, on bass, John Pierce, I think, um, because I don't know who plays bass on this album because there was a phase where... Um, a guy by the name of Mario Cipollina played with them. He played up until 94 with them. Um, but there was a time between 84 and 86 where he took a break, hmm. which if you say who took a break, this guy's the guy that fills in. So I sadly don't know which of these two guys played on here. So forgive me that my research kind of failed a little bit on there. Um, but he was the bass player for Pablo Cruz prior to to playing the stuff with, with Huey. And ever since 94, he's been his full-time bass player. Um, the other guitar player, a guy named Stephen Burns, who played with Alice Cooper and is actually in the Wayne World fi- Wayne's World film. Oh, Alice really? Cooper he's in it. Alice Cooper's band? So, yeah, he's in Alice great Cooper's band. Great scene with yeah, Alice Cooper in Wayne's World. Good, good scene on that. That's right. He also played with Berlin on Take My Breath Away. Yeah, okay. Uh, Michael Bolton. Um, and he was in this, he was, he did a lot of stuff with a TV house fill-in band on VH1. Like oh, if they okay. did like concerts. So th- they had this big stretch where they just had guests come on and do concerts. And he was like in the house band as a gotcha. TV. Gotcha. But yeah. check out who all he got to play with as the house band. Which I thought this is kind of neat. Steve Winwood, James Taylor, Cheryl Crow, Shaka Khan, George Michael. So that's pretty good people to back. Yeah. As a fill-in guy. Heck yeah. Um, Heck yeah. On sax, Johnny Baymont played with The Temptations, Larry Carlton, Donna Summer, Four Tops, and he was a founding member of Tower of Power, which if you're a horn player, Tower of Power is... Yeah, it's kind of the tops. It's big time. That's a great name, Johnny Baymont. Johnny Baymont. Like, that is a great name. I don't, I'm assuming that's his real name. Um, on trumpet, Marty McFadden, awfully whoa, close to Marty McFly. Wow. Marty McFadden on trumpet. Hello, played, McFadden. Hello, anybody home? Think McFadden. Think. Yeah, good job. Um... Played with Barry Manilow, Doobie Brothers, Wayne Newton, and Bob Hope. Interesting. Yeah. All yeah. right. Um, I tried to look up some Bob Hope songs to add something, but I just couldn't get through. Um, sorry. Not a big Bob <laughs> Hope fan. Um, and that's Meet the Band. That's the news. Outstanding. We met the news. And we liked them. Yeah. We liked good. the news. It was good, good news. It was today. good news. Good news. Yeah. The uh, good news. The good news. That's right. Um, 
there's a you got any you got any stuff on Back to the Future? This this song is so inextricably linked with Back to the Future. You can't think of one without the other. Really, Truth. I mean, that's right. You yeah, know, they're, they're like, a team. They're in the same breath, and it's it was intentional. Robert Zemeckis was making Back to the Future, and he went and got Huey Lewis. He said, "I want you to make the song." for this movie. And Huey originally resisted. He was like, I don't want to write a song called back to the future is literally what he thought they want. You know, he's like, it doesn't have to be about the movie. Like it doesn't have to tell the story of, you know, Marty McFly. It can be just a song that we is the, just the thing that gets associated with this movie. So then he's like, okay. So then he goes and writes the power of love and they use it in the movie when Marty's riding his skateboard through town and on the back of the truck. Yeah. You know, getting to school. Um, and it becomes forever linked with this movie. And they sort of catapulted each other. You know what I'm saying? The, movie, the movie really pushed the song, and the song really helped push the movie. I like the, I, lo- I love, I know we touched a little bit on it, how that the song that his band is playing for the Battle of Bands is that song. Just uh, yeah. a different, rockier version of that song, yeah. which I think is great. Yeah, I they don't sing so any of the lyrics. It just shows them playing, you know, the kind of the instrumental, whatever. And then that Huey Lewis is one of the... You judges. Know, judges, yeah. And then shuts them down. He's yeah. like, you know, no, too With much. With a bullhorn. Yeah, too much, guys. Um, but it, what's your, first of all, of the three Back to the Future movies, what which one is your favorite? One. One? One's the winner, for sure. Probably watched three the most because I recorded it off television when uh-huh. I was growing up and I just had a VHS tape. So I've watched three the most. One's definitely the best, in my opinion, and my favorite. Two is definitely the bottom echelon across the board okay don't tell me you're two is my favorite you were wrong two is my total you guys listen out there if you think back to the future two is the best please back rob up on that because i do not send us a tweet at great song pod uh hit us up and and let us know uh which back to the future movie is your favorite because that's i'm seeing like it's no question for me two is favorite okay so it's so it's too busy for me it's so okay so but okay one is iconic right one one is what it is okay two takes that premise and adds interplay from another era. And I like the aesthetic of, of the future world that they created. Sure. I like, but I love all the callbacks, uh, you know, like Goldie Wilson, the third, and uh-huh. you know, all that kind of stuff, the little tiny things that you find through there, the eighties cafe with the max headroom the slash max headroom. Michael Jackson, yeah. you know what I mean? With he's like, uh, with a BBBB for pork, you know what I mean? That sure. kind of thing. Um, I love all that stuff. Uh, Shark still looks fake. Sure. You know, all that stuff. I, um, can, I can tell you where I, I know exactly who I went to that movie with uh-huh. and where we went immediately after the movie. Cause I remember the discussion. We went to the captain D's me <laughs> and the Oakley family, who I think we mentioned on another podcast or depending on when we like it. Um, Cause we talked about the, you know, I'm back, I'm back from the future. Yeah. And it's like, you know, there's going to be a third one. Yeah. Like that's as good of a setup for there's going to be a third. Yeah. So I like that one little part, but other than that. Oh man, I love it. I love, so I, I love that they go back and revisit the literal scenes from the first movie sure. and like, uh, don't want to see yourself interpose and, themselves over it. I love all that, yeah. all that stuff. The alternate 1985 uh-huh. that they go, is that, that's the second one, right? That's the alternate second. 1985 yeah. that they go back to and it's, it's weird and it's dystopian. Yep. Oh gosh. Where he I gets just, fired via fax. I love that one so much. Mm-hmm. And then three for me is on the bottom. Okay. Three for me. I like, like three. It's fine. Claire Clayton. I'll watch it. Yeah. Uh, Buford, uh, Buford Tannen, Buford Tannen, you know, whatever. It's cool. I'll watch it. But for me, it's, it's going to be the the third one at the bottom for me. So I, 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 there's some real. I like the ZZ Top plays the band in number three. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the, there's so much. There's so much cool stuff about Back to the Future. They really did it like super well. Um, okay, this is one of my favorite little Back to the Future side notes. Um, the guy that played Biff, whose name is Tom Wilson, um, who only now like kind of looks old enough to actually be Biff, like grown old up Biff. Biff. Okay. Yeah, like you know he was. He was, um, you know, young Biff, and he did a great job playing, like, middle-aged, you know, sure. Biff, believably. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, he was old Biff in Back to the Future 2, which sure. I loved. was awesome. Um, but uh, he now does, like, stand-up comedy okay. and uh, writes songs and stuff. He's got a really funny song. Uh, go, go find it on YouTube. Just like, search Tom Wilson, Stop Asking Me the Question. Um, and it's just about his... Um, his experiences with people, you know, he's at comic cons and all this stuff all the time. And people come up and asking him stuff about back to the future, future, you know? And he's like, so I'm going to write this song and just listen to this first 
before you ask, it's like a frequently asked questions. Sure. You know what I mean? So just check this out. This will get you all your answers. Yeah. Oh, that's a and great so idea. He's like, he's like, you know, the chorus is just like, what's Michael J. Fox like? Really nice. You know, <laughs> what's Christopher Lloyd like? Kind of quiet. Kind of, you know, whatever. And he's like, stop asking me the question. That's like, great. It's really funny. That's I just good. love, of good all job. my like post back to the future stuff, that's one of my favorite things of theirs. That's awesome. Um, yeah, uh, we now this could easily turn into a movie podcast. Sure, it could be a Back to the Future start, podcast. Yeah, the love fest with Back to the Future. But let's not. Let's get back to the song, which is the power of love. And let's. This is such a popular song that, if, as is the case with any song that is a an icon like this, it's going to have a lot of great covers, uh, or at least a lot of covers. They sure. might not all be great, but it's going to have a lot of covers. Roll, uh, roll you got with anything? It. When you got, I've got a few. I don't really have it? a. I didn't do much cover research, so you take okay. the ball on this and run with it. Okay, so I did. Um, one of the one of the coolest ones that I think is out there. I don't know that I love it as much, but stylistically it, it works. Uh, but this is, uh, this is called, uh, it's by Ben Rector, uh, and it's, and it's the power of love. And it was like an EP called Newey Lewis and the Hughes. Oh, it's not uh, quite Dewey Lewis, but it's pretty good. Yeah. Where he covers three Huey Lewis songs. He covers the power of love. I want a new drug. And do you believe in love? Um, and this was in uh, 2014. So uh, here is Ben Rector's version of The Power of Love, a little bit of it. Yeah, so, uh, you know, it's it, it, JP was saying, I didn't expect his vocals to come in and sound so much like Ben Rector. Yeah. Like, you know, you just, it's, Huey Lewis is so tied to the song and his voice is so distinct. I expected you, it to be a more power Huey sounding yeah, yeah, Ben yeah. Rector doing Huey Lewis, not yeah. Ben Rector being Ben Rector exactly. doing a Huey Lewis exactly. new song. Uh, here's, a, here's a recent cover uh, by a band called I Fight Dragons, uh, and it's kind of a... Um, uh, what do you call it? It's like eight bit, you know, very eight bit sounding. They use a lot of like video game sounds okay. and, and bit crushed sounds. Uh, so this is really neat. Just it's it's kind of catchy, you know, kind of um, gimmicky. I dig it though. Of course, this is the Back to the Future opening. That's kind of brilliant. Yeah, I dig it. So at first I thought, oh, this is an acapella group. cool you know what i mean it's got its own it's got its own sort of aesthetic it's not trying to be the original no he you know straight I mean? up says feeling yeah it's not <laughs> feeling i mean anybody that says feeling like that was good man yeah I you dug that it. one yeah, yeah that's that's uh i fight dragons thank you Power for introducing me to that absolutely that i found one that just came out like literally as we record this this just came out a few weeks ago okay uh this is by a group called pomplamoose okay and it's that it's that uh revived kind of feel where you record you've got a single camera in a studio shot sure. and you've got all the band members uh-huh. and it's it's mostly uh i don't know how to say this it's mostly white guys playing instruments sure, and yeah, you know yeah. what i mean it's like the sort of like neo-funk I got uh it. you know aesthetic um and uh so this is this is their take on it. i thought it was pretty cool and give a shout out to them since they're this is a new thing for them Yeah. 
best. Yeah, you dig it? Man, this is, I'm going to take a second and give props to Rob for good research on the cover section. <laughs> I'm really digging the cover section. And that, while I'm sitting here just thinking, that's the mark of a truly great song if you can take this song and do it a bunch of different ways yeah. and it rocks. It's, it's still good. good all different ways. It's true. It's so like, well done it's, on the. It's, it's a hard song to ruin. You know yeah, that's I mean? a good point. Yeah. yeah well, I don't want to find a bad cover now because I'm feeling good. Yeah, yeah, this yeah. is awesome. I got one more. One okay. more for you just because it's different and it's sure. out there. Uh, this is a guy, he on on um, music stores, he just goes by the name Leo. His his name is Leo Moraccioli, I believe. Okay. M-O-R-A-C-C-H-I-O-L-I, Moraccioli. Uh, and uh, this is his uh, metal version okay. of The Power of Love. Maybe we can ruin it. Hopefully not. <laughs> Kind if, of a if anybody would have sang Hawk, it would have been that guy. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's probably hard. I, I I don't know. I'm gonna I'm gonna try my best to ascertain. This is okay. You know, in season one we had the great Garth debate. Sure. Right. Where sure. If the the argument of what's what is uh, Friends in Low Places actually about or the is setting this our of season Friends two in Low debate? Places. This is gonna be the season two. It's not even that we disagree, but it's something that we, we gotta don't know. know. I, and, I don't know. And that is debated obviously among the music community. Nobody actually knows. Is it Hart or is it Hawk? So I. I promise the great song podcast listeners that I will do my best. Is that what the Boy Scouts? I promise to do my best. I don't know. On my That's honor, I will do my duty to God in my country to what play, is that? I don't know, to obey the law of the pack. I think that's is Cub that, Scouts. Uh, anyway. Help to keep myself physically strong, mentally awake, and morally straight. Yeah, okay. I'm not going to do any of that. Okay. But what I am going to do is try my best to find out the truth about what this lyric is. Okay. Uh, and then we'll we'll either put it out as as some bonus content uh, or or something like that. But I now I have to know. I must know. Is and, it heart or is it hard? And I don't want to speed past the metal version. Speed metal. Yeah. But um, the keyboard thing at the beginning I was like I'm gonna hate this that first note and I'm yeah. like stop, stop no uh, we are gonna ruin it and then he brought it and yeah. he owned it he's yep. like I'm a metal guy yep. and I'm gonna do this song yep. like metal and it's got it, what's funny is it's got a really cute video okay. it's well, him it it's moment. him playing on all these like tiny instruments and his okay. daughter's in the room and he's playing like a little tiny you know uh, he's playing a real guitar but then he's got like a little tiny drum set and a little tiny keyboard okay. and, you know it doesn't take itself so seriously sure. uh, as you might think by just listening to it um, but it, yeah it was a lot of fun so shout out to all these people throwing out great covers great covers Ben Rector that- I Fight Dragons Pomplamoose and Leo Moraccioli. Uh shouts out to all you guys for doing we've uh, done a lot great. of different cover sections and I guess I'm notorious for finding ones that I don't like yeah. that might have been my favorite cover section that it was we've just done. it was stacked yeah yeah, yeah. no good, bad good ones good job yeah, yeah I'm sure there's bad ones out there good I'm job sure finding the good one. ones but, uh, thank you for yeah, sharing that that was a good one um, I've got one of the note on Huey Lewis, and unfortunately, it's not a good one. Sure, is it the uh, Ghostbusters thing? Uh, oh no! Do you okay. want to talk about that? A little bit. I don't have much. I know that uh, the Ghostbusters theme, and I want a new drug. Yeah. Um, there was a big lawsuit um, between them. They settled out of court, so it never went to court. But it was mentioned in an interview later on, and so it kind of stirred back up. So I don't want to get on the negatives because this has been such an upbeat, chipper goodness. But it's worth. Let me play it's it for people who knowing. may not know what we're talking about. Sure, okay? go ahead. So everybody knows. Everybody knows the Ghostbusters theme song, right? Okay, so so take a listen here. This is this is Ghostbusters by Ray Parker Jr. Okay, this is what we all know. Of course, we've got this creepy intro, but when the music kicks in. Just, just take note. See what it, see what you hear. You be the judge. Okay, now I'm going to stop that right there before the rest of the riff comes in, and I'm going to play you. I want a new drug uh, by Huey Lewis and the News, and you can tell me. You can tell me. Here we go. Here's I want a new drug. Now, 
I think, obviously, it, look, in an age where Marvin Gaye's estate is out here suing everybody sure. and winning, yeah. uh, I think definitely they were right to settle that Got one. A shot. I, yeah. And I think if they had gone to court, the Ghostbusters folks would have lost. And especially because the, the similarities in the song don't end at the intro. Sure. The guitar tones are like identical. Mm. It's a very similar thing. And uh, what happened is... Lead vocally, they're <clears> not too different. I mean, Ray Parker and Huey Lewis. I know yeah, yeah, yeah. They're... Register is similar. So the story goes that they had a heck of a time finding the song for Ghostbusters. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is a year before Back to the Future, by the way. This sure. is, you know, Ghostbusters came out in 84. And and if I recall, uh, according to Ray Parker's story in uh, the Netflix movie uh, Hired Gun, he, he said they had tried for almost a year or more that there had been billboards about, you know, Ghostbusters coming soon and whatever, and that they'd been trying so long that they were just throwing money at people to try and get the song that was going to encapsulate what they wanted for Ghostbusters. Um, but so the story goes that they had approached Huey Lewis first, maybe not actual first, but at some point they'd approached Huey Lewis and said, we want you to do the song for this. Uh, we like you, the aesthetic of the band, what you guys bring, you know what I mean? We want, that's the feel that we want. Um, and he turned him down. He didn't want to do it. As we found out later in back to the future, he was just a little skittish, Mm -hmm. you know, on to do that. Um, you know, he didn't want to write a song called Ghostbusters, you yep. know? So, um, maybe this is what put him to originally say no to Robert Zemeckis. Um, so they turned him down, but what, what happened is, uh, the Ghostbusters directors and, and, um, editing people started using, I want a new drug anyway in their scenes for, um, just the feel as placeholders for music. And, um, and so they would get back their dailies, you know, or whatever editing shots and they would have this song in there and it got really entrenched in the movie so that when they sent it to Ray Parker Jr., that was his reference also. Um, and so he starts working on this song and basically they end up with a song that sounds really close to identical to I want a new drug. Um, they go to court and you know, they settle out of court Um, but Huey Lewis later said, I think it was in maybe the VH1 behind the music. He said, you know, they, we were offended by the fact that they wanted to buy our sound Mm -hmm. and use it to promote this movie that they wanted to, you know, commercialize us in this way. Um, and you know, we said, no, this, you know, it can't be bought, but I guess it can because essentially that's what they did. Yep. You know, it happened in a different way. It happened through legal channels, but they just went ahead and did what they wanted to do really anyway. And they just paid for it on the back end yep. in court. Um, so really interesting stuff. I, that's the thing that like artists are going to have to be really careful about now. Like if this sure. is happening a lot now, uh, it's Marvin Gaye's estate's fault. Like they're starting a cascade of lawsuits of this sort of thing. I feel like it's going to happen more than ever. Uh, it's a good thing. This didn't happen to the Christian music industry in the nineties because it would have been absolutely decimated. I mean, it's about dead now, but it would have been just literally ground to a halt. Um, because that was the industry that you would walk into a Christian bookstore and it would say, you know, if you like Pantera, you're going to love five iron frenzy. (laughs) 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 Um, so, uh, man, that joke just sailed over so many people. Um, it's okay. Uh, but what, one of the notes, if you like Whitney Houston, check out Nicole C. Mullen. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Nope. Oh man. Oh yeah. Um, so yeah, that's that's the uh, that's the Ghostbusters Huey Lewis rift. Um, one other note on on Huey Lewis, and it's kind of a sad one. I don't want to end on a downer, but I, but it, but it's worth noting. Uh, if you're a praying person, pray for Huey Lewis, man. Uh, in April of 2018, uh, he revealed that he was suffering from sudden and drastic hearing loss as a result of Meniere's disease. Uh, and he's canceled all their upcoming tour dates. Uh, he's trying to find a way, but he, he lost so much hearing just, it just sort of came on suddenly decreased, 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 decreased to the point where he can't hear the music well enough to sing it. Um, so that's really sad, you know, as a guy who's made his living and his legacy as a vocalist fronting this band, um, you know, that's a, that's a sad way we, you know, all the best to Huey because we want it to end up with a different story than that. You know what I mean? Um, I'll bring it back up. Please. So I'm going to bring it back up on a high note. So we've talked a lot about the movie Back to the Future. Yes. And a lot about music. I'm going to ask you a quick question and then I'm going to tie it. What year did you get married, Rob? 2002. 2002. So I'm going to take you back to the summer of 2002. Okay. Before that. Probably one of the greatest 
little breaks in my life because I lived with Rob prior to him getting married. And I would go to work and then I would come home and we would just record music. Uh, And it was the best. It was awesome. We did everything from a Leah LaRocco album. (laughs) Shouts out to to Leah LaRocco out there. To a lot of the stuff from our Allie Mosier album, which is an instrumental album. But we did some weird stuff too. Yes. And Rob had no clue I was going with this, but I bet he might now. We did a song called 1.21 Gigawatts. Yes, we did. That I'm going to bring out that oh. we have not played. We're probably going to listen to it before we share it with you because I want to pick out which play. We might play the whole thing. Let's just play the whole we thing. We might play the whole thing. You, but I'm going to tell you guys, you've <laughs> got to skip ahead to the solo section because uh. it is in the top 10 of solos that it comes in so strong. So oh Mad Pro- Rob plays the first guitar solo that comes in and it'll kick you in the teeth. It's awesome. So this song, here, I'll give you a little backstory on how we made this song. So we love this movie. Oh, Watch man. this movie all the time. I got this <laughs> CD recorder. So I got it from a guy named Dale that ran sound at our church. And this is 2002. So this is before we had really good gear. This is before YouTube. Yeah. This we, is before digital. Like we had a, a quote unquote digital workstation. We did. It was called but, a Roland V Studio. Yeah. But it was it's not digital with a computer screen, that no. kind of thing. It was a thing Faders. where like, if you wanted to copy and paste, you had to enter in the exact numbers for the minutes, seconds, and microseconds or whatever, frames, sure. to be able to do it. And, and if you wanted more than eight tracks, get ready, because yeah, you're going to have to bounce down. Bounce them down, and yeah. So anyway, this was our life for yeah. several months, yeah. and so much fun, and we <laughs> thought we were the greatest thing ever. No, not really. We just liked ourselves and had fun. We weren't we trying to... weird, Weird stuff. Music. We weren't trying to... To make it or anything. Yeah. This is stuff that we did for us yeah. and maybe a couple of friends. Yeah. But anyway, we I got this CD burner, and so we would record clips of the movie. Yes. So you're going to hear clips of the movie. From the from the analog outputs of, a DVD of the player DVD into, into the a CD, CD burner, burner. Which, by the way, is a process known as, like, they... they they tried to stop, you know, like piracy and stuff, by, sure. but they that was a loop that they couldn't close. They couldn't stop people from doing that, and it became known as the analog hole or the a-hole in the industry. <laughs> that. that So, That's yes. Awesome. So, through the use of the a-hole, we got these That's clips. That's awesome. So, we made this song called 1.21 Gigawatt. Which is the amount of power that it required, that, that was the amount of power that it required to generate to be able to, to power the machine. The, the to flux get back capacitor to, the yes. to get the DeLorean in Back to the Future. Yeah. So here's our tribute to Back to the Future with music. I can't from, believe you're doing this. We're just going to say 2002-ish. Yeah. 2001 and 2002. It's in that gap. Um, I can't pinpoint the date, but please enjoy this because I'm Gosh. going to, and we've not listened to this in years. Oh, so. I can't believe we're exposing this to the world. This is how we're going to send you guys out. All so right. thank you guys again for listening. Do yourself a favor and listen all the way through, if nothing else, just to laugh at what we did. Oh, man. This is how we spent our time. All right. I'm Rob. I'm JP. Go listen to some music. <laughs> Good evening. I'm Dr. Emmett Brown. I'm standing on the parking lot at Twin Pines Mall. It's Saturday morning, October 26, 1985, 118 AM, and this is Temporal Experiment Number One.
you looking at, butthead? you guys aren't ready for that yet but your kids are gonna love it 